0: in the 1850s to an SUV in the 2020s, folks can traverse the state and see the fertile soil and clean water that makes up Kansas. It's essential to quality of life for many Kansans, whether you're talking about farming or recreation. But Kansas is among about 15 states that don't have some type of state-level funding for conservation. Nebraska and Colorado do, and Missouri with its park soils and water statewide sales tax, they've been a standard bearer in this area for about 40 years. Sean Miller, who works for the Capital Strategies Lobbying Group in Topeka, is trying to get the conversation started at the Statehouse about opportunities for public investment in conservation in Kansas. He recently spoke to the Senate Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee and previously spoke to a House committee as sort of carrying water for the Kansans for conservation, and he's with us at the Kansas Reflector to walk through the issue. Sean, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I want to start at the very beginning of this issue and just have you talk a little bit about what is conservation. I'm happy to, Tim. I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: As we talk about conservation, this is not a new concept. This comes out of the Dust Bowl, out of the Dirty 30s. Uh, We had a lot of farming and agricultural practices back then that created some issues for us, and that led to the development of the Natural Resources Conservation Service and our State Conservation Commission here in Kansas. They really sought to keep the topsoil on the ground. Things have obviously progressed, and so today as we talk about uh, conservation or sustainability, however you choose to to call it, uh, we've chosen conservation in this particular bill. Um, It is really a process of how do we maximize the productivity and the longevity of our agricultural lands, farmlands, ranch lands, while also protecting our natural uh, resources, our water resources that are so critical to both agriculture and to our municipal manufacturing and industrial sectors here in Kansas. So without clean water that flows through those uh, farming and ranch lands, we don't have clean water
0: reaching the municipalities. So there's a statewide reach here. So... Kansas does have some conservation activity going on, but largely it's it's a voluntary thing that's driven by landowners, right? That is correct.
1: It's voluntary in nature. We have some great partners, uh, some agricultural, primarily agricultural interests with at the state level, uh, the Kansas Department of Agriculture Division of Conservation, but also through our Kansas Water Office, um, as you talk about some of our, our interconnection between soil and water quality. And it's really ranchers, farmers, local, communities coming and saying, hey, we have some issues. We don't have the expertise maybe on how to solve them. So what tools are out there and how
0: can we deal with these issues moving forward? Okay. And and, and let's also touch on the benefits of conservation. I remember reading Tim Egan's book, It Was the Worst Hard Time. It was about the the Dust Bowl and and really kind of personal tales about how people endured and survived. I mean, it's a lasting image of environmental destruction. Uh, But it also helped bring about the idea of conservation practices that that were introduced on farms across the country. When Kansas dust ends up uh, leaking through the White House's uh, door frames you know there's a problem so uh, I know keeping topsoil out of the creek is good for everyone good for crop production good for water quality in the creek less sediment build up in reservoirs so so what about the benefits of, of conservation and think about it you know for rural people and, and urban.
1: Sure, without
0: taking too long, uh, you mentioned it,
1: right? You talked about the the Dirty 30s, the Dust Bowl. I started my presentation last week with a picture of a big dust cloud over Rolla, Kansas in 1935. And that's exactly where uh, the National Resources Conservation Service and our State Conservation Commission here in Kansas came out of. We had farming practices uh, that were not sustainable, and we had to make some changes in that particular place. So uh, we we began there. As we have moved through now close to a a century, we have really developed some fantastic practices um as we think about well is that good for the farmer is it good for the state is it good for the urban area the answer quite frankly is all of the above Uh, as we look at johnson county we look at lawrence we look at the city of manhattan the water supplies for those uh, places flow through just thousands and thousands of acres of agricultural land. And so what happens upstream from those municipalities is really critical for their future water supply. If you live in Overland Park, Kansas, and you turn on the water tap in the morning, you need to know that that water started in Colorado, Nebraska, flowed through north central Kansas. And so every practice on the ground before (laughs) it got to your tap should be really important to you.
0: Yeah, I think that's would be an alarming reality for some people. If they, if they look in those rivers and, and see what's left of a 1950s car frame, that might be a little alarming. All right. So, the status quo in Kansas, the State Department of Agriculture has a conservation division. Correct. And then there's community resources that could be devoted as use, and then in addition to uh, private investment. But I imagine, you know, the state and and particularly these uh, municipal governments have trouble coming up with the money to invest in conservation. And so, what I was thinking of is if that's true, then there must be federal money that's being left on the table by Kansas that other states are benefiting from that do make investment in it.
1: There absolutely is. Most of the practices that we have are locally voluntary driven by landowners or by uh, local communities. But they, as you said, don't have the property tax base, don't have the population to bear the full burden of that. to be quite frank, though, they also don't get the full benefit of those projects because of the downstream, both literally and figuratively, things that we've just talked about. Um, but there are significant amounts of dollars through USDA, um, often what we would call farm bill programs, mm-hmm. uh, things like the Conservation Reserve Program, um, Regional Conservation Partnership Programs, or CPP. We live in an acronym world. I'll try not to use too many today. Right. Um, and, and those federal dollars really drive the ability for us to make substantial progress, but they almost all come with a local and or state matching requirement. So I'll talk just a little bit about uh, EQIP, the Environmental Quality Incentive Programs. We had $86 million in applications last year that were made by Kansans that went unfunded because we did not have enough state and local money to match those federal dollars. Uh, So those dollars are going somewhere. They're going to end up flowing out of state. Maybe they go to Missouri, maybe they go to Colorado, uh, but they are not being put. Into practice here in Kansas. And we say that as, as a real downfall. Those are things that could make real positive impacts here in Kansas. And we are simply not able to take advantage of those.
0: That's on an annual basis, too. It's multiplying Correct. year after year after year after year. And if Missouri has had a lot of resources available to do this kind of thing for decades, you know Kansas is way behind in terms of that potential investment. But uh, Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what other states are doing in terms of investing in conservation. 35 states have some form of state funding. uh, But here in the Midwest, let's think about Missouri. They have a one-tenth of one-cent sales tax for their uh, soil, water, and state park resources fund. And it's incredibly popular. Very, very popular. It was uh, put on the ballot originally in the 70s.
1: Tweaked a little bit in the early 80s. It has to uh, be reappropriated or reapproved every 10 years by the voters. And each of those times that it's been reapproved and on the ballot, it's passed with more than two thirds of the vote. Most recently, it was around around eighty percent. So it is incredibly popular. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about our our idea later, but mm-hmm. um, about half of theirs goes to state parks and wildlife issues. About half of theirs goes to soil and water conservation, and it flows into those on the ground projects that Missourians see the benefit of. Uh, and we believe that that's proven by the fact that now five times over almost 50 years, they have reapproved that with overwhelming majorities.
0: Yeah. A statewide. Every every county, every county. So you, you can't find something that people support more than that. Th- that's you get right. every county. You're talking again. urban blue counties,
1: right. uh, really rural red counties. They they approved deep it south it in state. the boot heel. That's exactly right. They've approved mm-hmm. it in every single county in recent in the last recent elections.
0: Right, and in Colorado takes a different approach. They they come up with about I'd say, I think it's about 120 million a year uh, through the lottery. They do through For the lottery. Yeah,
1: every state does it a little bit different. You mentioned 35 states have this program and when we say have this program, what I mean is a state level dedicated funding source. Uh, probably they do it in 35 different ways. Missouri uses that existing sales tax that's on the ballot. Colorado takes some of their lottery money. I think last year it was $122 million, but it's always yeah. in that $120 million mark and moves it over there. Uh, the state of Texas does something uh, really unique as well in that they take an existing portion of their sporting goods sales tax. So think backpacks, bicycles, fishing equipment, hunting equipment, and they dedicate that uh, to both uh, state parks and conservation and that's about 330 million dollars a year oh. Texas. so they can really do some some programming with 330 million dollars of state level matching that's before they draw down any uh, private industry funding that matches or any of that federal money that we talked about
0: earlier that we're leaving on the table that's incredible why why do you figure kansas hasn't jumped on the bandwagon here Uh, There's a number of reasons,
1: right? First off, I think uh, just sort of in the Midwest here, we're a little insulated. We like doing things at the state level and having full control of it. And the truth of the matter is when you bring federal money into it, you do bring some federal requirements into it. So people are always a little bit hesitant to get into that. But this is where I like to point out that all of our programs are completely voluntary. There is not a program that we would sign up through this that we would come and say, Tim, I know you're not interested in this, but we see what we think is a problem on your ground. And we want to fix that. That does Mm. not happen. It simply is Mm. not there. Mm. It is local landowners, local communities coming to us with a problem and saying, help us. How do we fix it? What programs are out there? And if there's not a program out there, how do we begin to develop a new one? Um, and so we've been a little bit slow to it, but uh, I think it, it's really time to have some of these conversations. And we don't have to look far. We can look right across to our border states for some
0: really good opportunities. So you're you're associated uh, perhaps loosely with the Kansans for conservation. That's a, a real big coalition, actually, that has, has been talking about this issue. And some of the organizations, there's Agriculture Interests, Kansas Farm Bureau, Soil Alliance, Kansas Rural Center. There's Commercial Interests business. is General Mills, Evergy. There's wildlife groups like Ducks Unlimited. There's nonprofits like Friends of the Cause on there, the Conservation Fund, the Nature Conservancy. So these are groups that have an interest in advancing this issue and trying to build momentum for some sort of state investment. Do you have a sense of what kind of needs these entities have identified uh, would be applicable in Kansas and would be uh, benefit from an investment? If you ask
1: them individually, and I think there's 37 or 38 groups currently a part of that, we're actually meeting with another one this afternoon about joining. They would all have a little bit of individual interest. But what we've tried to do as we've put together this Kansas for Coalition, uh, Kansas for Conservation Coalition, and as you mentioned, I am um, working for two of the organizations on there, and I'm a personal member of several others: Pheasants Forever, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. What we try to do is coalesce around the the things that are on everybody's agenda. And those are maintaining our productive agricultural working lands, That's really important to our local property tax base and our rural communities, keeping them alive and well. Uh, Soil health and water quality issues, that interconnection of agricultural lands and running water in our creeks and rivers. If we can keep that soil and those nutrients, right, the fertilizer on the the ground, it is helpful to the farmer and it is helpful to the downstream communities. Those are really a couple of our our quick ones. We're also seeing in current days a lot of uh, invasive species and even native species that have escaped their traditional range. Think of the eastern red cedar and the problems that it's caused for us in fire conditions. If you look back at the Anderson Creek Fire a couple of years ago in South Central Kansas, a lot of that was driven by just tremendous explosion in the cedar population down there, where 200 years ago, there was no cedars. If you were to look back at the landscapes or the drawings or even the descriptions of the Lewis and Clark journals, our landscape has changed so much. And the ability to take that back to a more native landscape helps us from a public safety measure on fire danger. It restores uh, the grazing productivity for our cattle, um, and it
0: really helps keep those agricultural lands productive. Yeah, I think there's a, I I remember looking at a chunk of land that K-State owns part of it, then it's uh, there's a private ownership next. There's a fence line, and to the right is open prairie, and to the left is wall-to-wall cedar trees. Yeah, the, the Kanza Research Center the there. For people who have driven along I-70
1: heading towards Manhattan on the north hand side, you see a really big sign that says Kanza Research. And yeah. they do a lot of rotational grazing, they do a mm-hmm. lot of prescribed burning. And as you drive up 177 into Manhattan, if you look on the left side of I-77, you will see that Kanza. And then as you get close to town, you will see a wall of cedars that you we were just talking about and that really drops the productivity of all of those lands. Right. There. It's it's you can barely walk through it, that stuff. It's worse for agriculture, it's worse for wildlife, it's worse for fire danger and humans. You're you're absolutely right.
0: All right. So this coalition has an interest in finding a consistent sustainable funding source for conservation. And to that end, a bill has been introduced in the legislature and it would create the State Conservation Fund, and it would be funded through three mechanisms, at least uh, to start with. And uh, the funding would be driven <clears throat> to accounts in the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Wildlife and Parks. So, first, uh, <clears throat> the bill would take half of the state's sales tax revenue from sporting goods purchases from the previous year in Kansas and deposit that in these specific funds. Uh, do you want to talk about that part? Happy to. One of the things that we really talked
1: about as we worked through this Kansas for Conservation process, and by the way, this is a process that's been going on for years. It's become more formalized in the last four or five years, but these conversations have been happening for more than a decade. Um, It was really critical to us that whatever funding came from this, particularly given our current ending balance at the state, that that there were no new taxes, right? We were not going to go out and tax, create something new, to draw in money for this so we said what existing resources are in the state now that have some sort of nexus to this or quite frankly we're stealing good ideas from other states have been right. used successfully in other states and the existing sales tax on sporting goods um, is uh, something that's popular in a lot of places i pointed to texas's sporting goods sales <laughs> tax earlier that's a perfect example But we said, if people are going to be out using the landscape for hunting, fishing, biking, recreation, then maybe a portion of the existing sales tax for backpacks, for tents, for bicycles should go back into this fund. And so that's what we looked at there. We looked at, uh, to get really nerdy, right? We have these industry codes that we know how much tax we collect from each place, and we can easily carve that out. So we said, let's take a portion of that. Let's put it back to these particular issues. And it's really uh, somewhat of a user fee. If you're a backpack Record, mm-hmm. you want good trails to backpack on. If you're a hunter, you want good places to hunt. It's really pretty that simple. Uh, second, you talked about the lottery dollars that Colorado uses, and so we uh, never uh, being hesitant to steal a good idea. that that's a great place for us as well. We have lottery dollars. Um, We're not trying to take lottery dollars that are flowing into anywhere else. We'd like to take maybe lottery dollars that are there as the lottery continues to grow and move them into this place. And then there was a third pot of money that was created a couple of years ago that has not been used yet. That was the um, fund that was created to attract a professional sports franchise to Kansas. It has created about $4 million so far, I believe, and it has not been touched and and we said hey maybe
0: maybe we can put that money to some good use mm-hmm. and right so these three pieces uh, the, the sales tax revenue on sporting goods purchases, the, the estimate that Department of revenue suggested, it might be about $18 million a year. And then the, the suggestion for a lottery money, uh, for the state conservation fund would be about 32. And I think the, uh, professional for, uh, franchise attraction fund, uh, which I've always thought was a little weird, uh has about $4 million in it. So, you know, it's about 50 million bucks here. Uh, And so this would be divided between at the Agriculture Department, there would be working lands funding at Wildlife and Parks, there would be something for wildlife conservation. And then uh, another category would be a fund related to Kansas outdoors, also at Wildlife and Parks. And so this money could probably be used to directly fund projects, but also be used uh, as to help the state draw federal funding. Absolutely
1: right. Uh, The the three funds that you described, if you think about it, it's about half to the Department of Agriculture. We want that to go back to farmlands, to ranch lands. About half of it goes to the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. So when you see those two funds, the Wildlife Conservation Fund, think the wildlife side, and the Kansas Outdoors Fund, think the park side. So 50% of it to the Department of Agriculture, and then 25 and 25 into each of those Uh, KDWP funds that we have created. Uh, That could be used to draw down those federal dollars. Mm -hmm. What we haven't talked a lot about yet is the private industry dollars that are out there. Um, I mentioned ADM a lot in my presentation, Archer Daniels Midland. They have essentially a program that says we want to help nutrient reduction. We want to help create better uh, yields in our farmers so that we have a better supply chain. Right? We've seen supply chain issues all over the world since COVID, and agriculture is no different. Uh, The one that's sort of newer on the landscape out there that, that... People know about because when I say ADM, most rank and file people on the street don't know what that is. But Burger King, of all places, has a fantastic grazing lands conservation program. But it requires some local buy in um, to help improve, to remove some of those cedars or maybe some of the invasive uh, trees. or weeds that are out there and to provide a better ranching landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but we also have producers we talked about a little earlier that don't like the federal strings and they say, Hey, we have a real problem here. We're not interested in a federal program. But maybe as our state agencies look, they identified this particular place as a real problem point. And if yeah, that so. landowner is willing to do it, but maybe not enter into the federal program, then it could be utilized. Uh, we can develop state programs that could, and we have a few state programs that are just fully state funded, yeah. that so can deal with those types of issues. be sort of like a pri- public-private partnership. Yeah, absolutely. Public-private yeah. partnerships is, is really the way that we're seeing this space grow. All
0: right. So it's sales tax. We have sports wagering uh, revenue, taxes, whatever you want. To call it. Um, how do you think the public's going to respond to something like this?
1: The, the public, um, and then we can point to a little bit of polling when you're ready, has responded to it really, really well. When we ask people, um, and we did a polling a few years ago, when we asked people, what do you think about these? Uh, we talked to Johnson County. We talked to Sedgwick County. We talked to folks all over the state. Uh, do you think we should have more conservation on the landscape? Do you think we should help protect the health of Kansas family farms and ranches? And do you like and see recreational opportunities in small communities? So the answer overwhelmingly was yes. So we said, OK, then how should we fund it? Mm-hmm. Um, foreshadowing here, the ways that we chose to fund it in our bill, House Bill 2541 are the direct results of our polling. And that is, we looked at what other states had done. How would you feel about using sporting goods sales tax to go back to this? And the numbers were overwhelming. 80% of the people said, yes, that would be an appropriate opportunity. Okay. What about lottery funds? Other state use lottery funds. Yes. 77, 75, whatever the number was, percent said, yes, lottery funds are an appropriate place to do that. And we asked them at the time about sports gaming revenue. And that was also 60 plus percent positive. I will give a little asterisk there. At the time that we asked that, you may say, well, why is sports gaming lower? Sports gaming was not legal in the state of Kansas at that time. We Mm -hmm. just legalized it in the last couple of years. And the polling is about four years old. And so even knowing that we were having these discussions of the legislature and it wasn't legal yet, still 60 plus percent of the people said, if that happens, that that is a source of
0: revenue that we should consider using for these conservation practices. And largely, the people that said no to use of uh, betting on sports revenue, they were opposed to that notion anyway. That's right. They didn't want to see sports betting happen. So, All right. So let's take what we now know. We've been educated on conservation. We've looked at the proposal. Where do you, where do you see all this going? You, you know, work on a bill this year or the legislature has a process where they can assign issues to interim joint House and Senate committees. Uh, maybe you 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 do an educational process now and come back next year and maybe you get more traction and so forth. So what what, what do you see doing, uh, working on this going forward? We, we did get to have a hearing in the House Committee
1: this year. Um, we had a hearing back in mid-January and uh, before the House Ag and Natural Resources Committee. Overall, I think had a pretty good response. We definitely had some opponents, mm-hmm. uh, both stakeholder groups who said, we like the concept, but there's a few things that need to be tweaked in here to some individuals landowners who felt like this might force conservation measures on them that they did not want. Um, We're working as best we can to allay those concerns, but um, as people look at conservation and how that uh, word is used in a national landscape, too often in Kansas we think about wolves in Colorado or that's a conservation (laughs) measure and we're going to turn things loose on your property. And that, at the state landscape, is not what we are looking to do at all. Uh, I think I've said it. No wolves, no, no wolves. You can guarantee that. Yeah, I can guarantee. No wolves will be funded by this project, Um, (laughs) and and I say that somewhat tongue in cheek. But but there's some real concerns out there about you hear landscape changes and uses, and okay, are we going to be forced to adopt something? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that simply is no. We're looking to try to find funding for people who voluntarily want to change things on their ground. And that's really important for them to be able to have that. One thing we haven't talked about maybe enough so far is, oh, if these are such good practices, why doesn't Sean or Tim, the farmer, simply do it on their own? Mm -hmm. And some of them do, at least in small measures. But these are really expensive, really technical projects, usually that require a lot of engineering. And as I've pointed out before, the benefits extend far beyond the fence lines of that particular farm. Um, And so we feel like that there is some public input it, uh, some public support for this, both financially and emotionally, and there is public benefit um, at communities far outside of the boundaries of that particular farm. So we're looking to try to find a volunteer way to help people do the right things. And that's not all that different um, in our tax policy. We incent things that we think are good behaviors, right? We have 501c3 deductions. If you're choosing to give to your church or your schools, we have adoption tax credits. So there are public inputs into a lot of things that we consider societal positives. Mm-hmm. And I don't really see this any different than that. Um, and back to the base of it, if you don't want to do this, this on your land. You do not have to do this on your land.
0: All right. I think we're going to have to leave it there. I want to thank Sean Miller for helping us uh, look at this issue of conservation. It'll be really interesting to see how it pans out going forward. Thank you very much.